What an incredible, powerful, powerful song that we get to sing. And I don't know if you've heard that song or if you've sang it multiple times since it recently came out. I say recently, you know, way back in 2020. Such an incredible song of not just a principle or an idea about God, but really a promise. And so I hope even if you listen to it again later in the week, maybe you download it yourself to listen to it, I hope that you remember that God is for you. And that's why this church exists. That's why churches exist, because we believe that the church is the hope of the world because it's there that we find Jesus. So thanks for being a part of Encounter Church today. I hope and I pray that you are encouraged and blessed, not only through the worship, but through the teaching that I'm going to dive into. Today is uh, another week as we continue the series that Pastor Chris started just a few weeks ago called Greater Reward. And today's going to be a principle that perhaps you've heard before and perhaps you really believe in. And in some ways, I like sermons like this because you almost can't disagree with it because it's just these principles Principles that we not only find in the scripture to be true about God, but principles that we find to be true in life. And so I hope that you're encouraged, hope that you're challenged, hope that you're pushed. And I hope that in some ways you feel like you're patting yourself on the back because you're heading in the right direction. And in other ways, when you know that you're not headed in the right direction, I hope that you have the courage today to take a different step because you are stepping somewhere. But I hope that you'll take the courage and the step to really take a different type of step than what you have been taking in the past. Encounter Church is for you because God is for you, and we are here for you. So if you haven't done this yet, make sure to do this. Go to our app, EncounterChurch.com forward slash app. It's there that you can follow along in the message notes. You can also let us know how we can pray for you. We've talked about groups in the past. We've just launched some groups last week. Another one is launching just this coming week uh, called uh, the Marriage Course. And so different ways for you to connect online and in person. So we hope that you'll do that. Go to EncounterChurch.com forward slash app to make sure you connect. You know, most people want a different future, but few are willing to do whatever it takes to get there. So most people want a different future, but few. Few people are willing to do whatever it takes to get there. Now for you, if you were to, even from a blank sheet of paper, just pencil out some things that you would like to see different in your life, most people wouldn't take very long before they say, you know what, I I mean, this is going good, but I think it can be great. You know, this is a pretty decent habit I've had. Maybe, Maybe it's, you know, two or three times a week, but I'd like to, I'd like to see five or six times a week. Maybe some of you have a, a good habit of, of, of going on walks every single day just to stay active and getting away from the desk in the digital world. But maybe you do that three times a week and you say, you know what, I kind of, I want to I do it a little bit more. Everyone has habits, everyone. And everyone has these actions and these things that are part of your life. But most, whether it be physical, spiritual, emotional, family, personal, in whatever sphere of life that you find yourself, or whatever sphere of life you're thinking about even right now, most people can envision a better future and a different future. But the question is, what do you have to do? What do I have to do? And in relationships, what do we have to do in order to get there? If you can envision a different future and you want a different future, why aren't you there? Because like I mentioned just a few moments ago, most people want a different future, but very few are willing to do whatever it takes to get there. So what is it that you envision for your future that you want to see? What is it? What is it in your future and the family that you want to see different? 
That's maybe this, it feels like a hamster wheel of turmoil, right? The same issues or the same struggles or these things that are in your life that you don't want to be in your life. And some, it, for some of you, it might not be what's in your life. It could be what's not in your life. What is it that you want to see personally? What is it you want to see in your relationships? What is it you want to see in your family? What is it you want to see even personally in your, in your life of having a hobby or, or, or not having one? What is it you want to see that's not currently in your life? This that I read last week from a mentor to me and mentor to me, a, a pastor that often teaches and has a podcast. I love to listen into him and just learn from him. He says this, that successful people do consistently what others do occasionally. Successful people do consistently what others do occasionally. This is the challenge, right? The challenge is to discipline ourselves in order to get there. Most people want to see that, they're, that they can get out of debt, but very few people are willing to do whatever it takes to get there. Most people want a better relationship, but very few are willing to sacrifice in order to do that. Most people would like to see themselves more physically healthy, but very few people are willing to do whatever it takes to get there. And so for you, what is it that you're willing to do? Because life change is not accidental. You're not going to accidentally find yourself in a better financial position. You're not going to accidentally find yourself in a better vocation. You're not going to wake up one day and say, you know what, I haven't been going to the gym, but man, I'm looking better, right? You're not going to accidentally find yourself in good physical shape. You're not going to accidentally wake up and have a better marriage and have a better relationship. These things happen on purpose, and they happen through consistency over time. In the life of successful people, if you look at success and you define it in di different ways, either financially or in family or relationships that, that have longevity and last over time, what you will find is consistent good habits, consistent good habits. In some ways, you could say, well, duh, that's the challenge is doing it consistently and making sure the habit is actually a good habit. We all have bad habits, like, you know, food habits on Friday night. I love to be healthy Monday through Thursday, but Friday night, I don't like being, I don't like being healthy. I mean, that, this is a habit in my life. Like the, the, the good eating practices go out the window when I order from Pizza Palace in Norwood. If you haven't been there, that's okay. That's a small business that you need to support. Pizza Palace in Norwood. I love biting into that calzone. The grease literally goes down my wrist every Friday night. Like we like good habits when we like them, but we don't like to consistently do them over time. Nothing's wrong with a good calzone from Pizza Palace in Norwood, but consistency over time is a challenge. I thought about this this past week when I was um, at the gym where I work out, and I noticed something about the people there that I always see them at the same time, because my rhythms are, are pretty regular, either during the lunch hour or at the end of the work day when I hit the gym, depending on the season. And when it's better weather in the morning, I like to, to leave early in the morning to do it, right? And like to be outside. But I found this interesting habit that when I hit the gym, I see the same people all the time. And the reason I see the same people all the time is because they're in the same rhythm that I'm in. And, and if you would venture to say, when you see these same people, they're normally doing things that I can't do, right? And I'm looking at them like, oh, that's interesting. How do they do that? Well, they're doing these crazy exercises upstairs in the gym because they do them every day, right? You don't accidentally find yourself in a better physical shape. You don't accidentally wake up, again, in other spheres of life and relationships and find yourself in a better physical 
um, you know, stage for your life. You don't. This is not accident. It's consistency over time that gets us there. The Apostle Paul wrote about this principle that maybe you've heard of in, in different spheres. And for those of you that have faith and maybe have faith in Jesus and are Christians, you, maybe you've heard this in a Bible teaching. But there's this incredible passage of Scripture that I want us to read today and to just reflect on. And I hope that it will do for you what it has done for me and challenged, inspired, and changed me. He wrote this to the city in Galatians. And so the book of the Bible is called Galatians. And it's found in Galatians chapter 6, this incredible verse. And I'm going to read to you the, uh, the, the verses, and then we're sort of going to work backwards and, and unpack them little by little. But in Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 7, I'll read these three verses to you. He sets the tone for this principle and this promise that's true of your life and mine. It says this, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing what is good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now, the middle part of that and the end of that really just kind of makes sense. We're going to unpack that in a moment. But the very first part of this just didn't make sense to me. In some ways, even this morning, and I've, and I've read this passage, I would probably say for the last 20 years, right? And I've maybe, maybe the first time I've, I read it was maybe 20 years ago, right? So I've reflected on this passage. I've read this passage. I've never disagreed with this because of this principle of like, yeah, okay, I get it. You plant, you water it, you tend to it, and yeah, it'll grow. I get it, okay? The principle of the harvest. But this first part really blows my mind and really challenges it says this, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. I, I don't know about you, but when I read certain portions of the Bible, even in context, I'm like, I get this, but I don't get that. Is this supposed to be in the same paragraph? Is this the same story? I don't understand why this mocking God, what does mocking God have to do with the principle of the harvest? We're going to get to the principle of the harvest, but we first have to sit on this foundation, these two statements that God cannot be mocked. And it says this, do not be deceived. Now, the Apostle Paul writes to a lot of different cities and a lot of different people, some that were believers, some that weren't believers in Jesus yet. And he, he, he will often give this warning, listen, don't be tricked, don't be fooled. It's like a good, maybe a TED Talk or a sermon or a lesson or a presentation when the boss stands up and says, listen, don't be fooled. And he just sits that tone, all right what's, how am I being fooled, all right? So you start a presentation, so I, I kind of got that. Don't be deceived. And so you're at home, you're listening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, maybe you're driving down the road, don't be fooled. What I'm going to share in these next few moments, we are fooled by. Like we, we are deceived by this. And so this is in some ways trickery, right? Not this message, but how we are tricked. Every single day of our life, we're tricked by this. And the reason that we're tricked by this is because we don't believe the principle of the harvest like we say we do. If I read those passages again, especially verses 8 and 9, most of you would say, yeah, 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 I get it. Yep, yeah, I get it. The farmer tills the ground at the right time. He puts the right seed in the ground. Yeah, he waters it. I get it. It, it grows. Okay, yes, I get it. That's the principle. But why do not be deceived? Because even though we say we believe it, we don't live like it. Even though we say we understand the principle of the harvest, and you might, we don't live like it. And then this whole thing, 
God cannot be mocked. Now, let me set the stage for the entire Bible. God cannot be mocked is a common reference throughout all of the Scripture. In fact, I looked at even some this morning when I, when I looked at all these warnings from the prophets in the Old Testament to some of the narrative teachings in the Old Testament, even some of the Psalms that were old songs, right, that, that people that believed in God used to sing about. And then even in the New Testament, stories about Jesus, and then after Jesus died, was buried, and rose again from the dead, still these warnings of mocking God. Now, if you're in a conversation about mocking God, most people would say, well, I'm not going to mock God, right? But it happens all the time, all throughout Scripture, and even into modern day today, 2021, this whole mocking God is very common. And mocking God in the Scripture, this warning is a little bit different than what you might think. It's very broad. A warning about mocking God was given in the Scripture, in, in the Bible, throughout Old Testament and New Testament, to those that ignored God. Now, let me ask you a question. I want you to answer it. Have you ever lived your life in a sense of ignoring Him, ignoring God? Every hand, wherever you are, kind of goes up, right? Have you ever ignored God? You say, yeah, there's a, yeah, a long time of my life. I just kind of, yeah, this is me and maybe God's over there. We're all guilty of that, Right? So someone that ignores God was given that warning in the Scripture. Listen, pay attention. Like, there's a God, and He's real, and He cares about you. Don't ignore Him. Have you ever in your life thought that maybe God wasn't real? Some of you are listening to, to, to this message today, and that's where you are in your journey. You're in a place in your life where you're like, I'm, I'm not sure where I stand with God. I'm not sure about his realness. I'm not sure if I even believe in him. I'm not, I'm not sure about all this God stuff. There's a warning to those in the scripture that paid no attention to God, ignored him, and or did not believe in him. But there's another type of mockery throughout the scripture, and there's all different types, all right? There's another type of mockery in the scripture that shows that there's no respect for God. Now, if you have no respect for God, it doesn't mean that you don't believe in him. It doesn't mean that you, can't, you have not honored him at one time in your life, but it means that there's this idea by the way you live, not by just what you say, okay? Yeah, a lot of people have language around God that's obviously inappropriate or cursing God or curse words or have a language about Jesus or Jesus Christ or even worse things that I, of course, cannot say right now, right? Or off the stage ever, right? These verbal mocking God, that's not, only, that's not what I'm talking about or just that. It's this idea of living in a way that ignores God, living in a way that doesn't believe in Him, or in, and or living in a way that shows no respect for a holy God. That is the warning to the principle of the harvest. Don't be deceived, guys. God cannot be ignored. Don't be deceived. God cannot be dishonored. Don't be deceived. God cannot be disrespected. So that sets the stage for this incredible principle of the harvest. So a question that I hope that you'll wrestle with today. Where am I in my relationship to God? Is it honor? Is it an, an ignoring of Him, right? Is it a dishonoring of Him? I thought about this illustration this, this past week, and we're to a point now where it's not, especially for very long periods of time at all, where we might run a 30-minute errand or be out for 45 minutes and leave, you know, leave the boys at home for a small window of time, let's say 30, 45 minutes, right? Hey, guys, we're going to run in here. We'll be right back. And so we give them clear instructions, right? 
And because they're not teenagers yet, and because they're a certain age, like they don't have permission to invite anyone over. They don't have permission to go to the door. There's these certain boundaries, right, of just teaching them to, to live and make decisions and operate without the umbrella of their parents, right? So it's happened before. Many people are guilty of this. But what if we got home and people were there? What if we got home and none of the boundaries were shown and, and respected? What if we got home and all of the requests that we had made were not met. Even though I know that my sons love their mom, even though I know that they love me, what would that communicate to me? No boundaries, no respect, no authority, no love, no respect. In some ways, that would be uh, an attitude or an action that shows a, a mockery of mom and dad's request, right? And that's why we have discipline, and that's why this emotional responsibility. Like, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? I told you to do this, and you did this. And so when you see do not mock God or a warning to those that do mock God, there's this incredible warning throughout all of Scripture. The principle of the harvest that I'm about to show you and about to talk about and teach from the Scripture cannot be taught without this warning. Listen, don't be fooled. Don't be deceived. God cannot be dishonored. God cannot be mocked. Now, you may be sitting there thinking, uh, God is mocked, right? We just said that. God is dishonored. God is, is ignored. Well, here's the warning. I just read it just a few moments ago. Those that sow the seeds, right, the bad seeds, right, will reap what? Destruction. What goes around comes around, right? The decisions we make today affect tomorrow. The decisions we make every single day, day after day, will do what? will affect the future, and it eventually will be realized. The ultimate deserving of what we do every single day. Good seeds produce good harvest. The wrong seeds, the bad seeds produce the wrong harvest or a lack of it. The first thing I want you to see in this, and it'll be on the screen, is this. You reap what you sow. And yeah, listen, you are sowing. You can say, well, what am I, what am I sowing? Like, am I, am I sowing things? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every single day, the attitude, the actions, the behaviors, and the habits that you have are sowing. Now, I don't know if you, like, even if you, like, put your hand out, it's like, all right, well, if I have these seeds, this illustration of, like, the harvest, if I have these seeds, what am I sowing? You probably, like me, you're probably sowing some good things. You're probably some sowing some things that maybe you're neutral, and there are probably some things in your life that you don't want to sow and that you are sowing. So you reap what you sow. Here's the promise. And this is where, like, the principle of the harvest cannot be ignored, right? The principle of the harvest cannot be ignored. It can't be mocked. It can't be disregarded, just like the Lord. It can't be ignored. He can't be ignored or mocked. Whatever you are sowing, you will reap. The question is, what are you sowing? And maybe a good exercise for you, and good, painful, but still good, of like, what am I doing every single day? What are my habits? What are my attitudes? What are my actions? Like, what am I sowing? If I'm sowing some good, some neutral, some maybe not so good, what are those things I am sowing? The thing that I want to address next is this. You reap more than you sow. This idea of you reap more than you sow. The reason I say that, is because of verse 8 that says this, that whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap what? Destruction. And whoever sows to please the Spirit will reap what? 
eternal life. It's also this illustration that continues when you picture the seed going into the ground. When you picture the seed going into the ground, what pops out? Not a seed, something bigger, right? There's this 10x, this is compounding effect. And what happens when you plant the seeds, it begins to grow. And as it begins to grow, people find themselves in situations, either good or bad, where they are reaping more than they actually sowed. If this is a positive thing, and it often is a positive thing, eating an apple a day keeps the doctor away, right? But one a year, nah, it's not so good. I'm not sure if an apple a day keeps the doctor away because I guess it depends if you're eating Pizza Palace before and after that apple. But this is the idea of repetition, that if you just eat that apple a day, what happens? Hopefully, in illustrative terminologies, keeps you healthy, a long, fruitful life, really just from a red apple or a green apple, whichever your choice, like consistent good decisions do what? Oh, man, it leads to way more blessing than you could ever imagine. Imagine if you gave a dollar away a day, just one dollar away. It's not so bad, is it? One dollar away? Man, you're living a lifestyle of generosity. I don't know. You do the math. I didn't prepare this beforehand. What if you live to be 75 years old? How much money could you give away? What about $2 a day? What about a percentage of your income? What about $100 a month? What about five? Think about that, the exponential impact of daily generosity. So this principle of you reaping more than you sow is absolutely there in the positive. But it's absolutely there in the negative when the Scripture warns that if you, if you sow according to your flesh, what this really means is according to your earthly desires. Like if you really listen to your gut, right, of what you want, of your brain or your heart, of what you really, really want, and you respond to it every single day, that's not good. Maybe you've heard this colloquial said, uh, you know, I've heard this a lot in different ways, and often I hear it from, as justification for people to just do what they want. You've got to follow your heart, right? Follow your heart. And some, sometimes that can be good, like follow your, your heart, your passions, your desires. But you know what the Bible also warns is that our hearts are full of often wrong motives, our hearts are full of sin, ideas, and, and thoughts that are not pleasing to a holy God. We just don't wake up every day and just do what you want. If you wake up every day and just do what you want, I got a feeling you might not have a job for very long. If you wake up every day and just do what you want, like what's in your body, your desire, your flesh, as the scripture teaches, that's not good. There's a pretty good chance you're not going to be married for very long. There's a pretty good chance that you'll find yourself in a narcissistic world where you are the only one that matters to you right? So if you sow seeds according to what you want every single day, day after day, you will reap more than you sow. And I can promise you, you're not going to like it. Some of you are already there. You say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I sowed this seed and it showed up after five years. I, sh- I sowed this seed and it showed up in my marriage and I, and I didn't like it, right? And so the question for you for reflection today, even in this, is am I sowing seeds that will reap eternal life? Or am I sowing seeds that will reap destruction? In a very tangible way, you can come up with this in your own ways and say, well, what do I do? The tangible ways are, what are you sowing seeds financially? Saving is sowing of a seed. Spending is a sowing of a seed. 
Debt is a seed that has been sown, right? Generosity and giving away is a seed that's been sown. So just even in the worlds of finances, when you look at your income versus your expense, your motives, your boundaries, you're a saver, you're a spender, right? Are you free-spirited or over-analytical? Maybe a little bit of both. I don't know. That's not that there's a right or a wrong, but what seeds are you sowing? What about your relationship? How much time are you spending in the most important relationships in your life? And what type of seed is that? Coming home two hours late one night, probably not that big of a deal. But every night, it's sowing a seed that you don't want to see grow, right? And no matter what the pain point or the tension area of your life, you have to ask, am I sowing seeds according to my desires or am I sowing seeds according to the desires that God has for me? That's what really this passage and this principle is about. If you sow the wrong seeds, typically what just you want, it's not good. But if you sow seeds according to what God desires, according to the Holy Spirit, oh my goodness, you are going to reap so much more than you could ever imagine. But here's a warning on your calendar. It's kind of slow. It's kind of slow sometimes. The third thing is this. You reap after you sow. You reap after you sow. Now, I, I, I like verbal responses, even though you're not in the room with me today, but I, I, I'd like to hear you say, duh, right? Yeah, you have to put the seed in the ground before you actually see it grow. But this is a challenge for you and I because we like immediate, like an immediate response. We want to save, let's say you have a goal of saving $1,000. And as soon as you put that $1,000 in your um, you know, emergency fund and you put that $1,000 in your savings account, guess what happens? Of course you need new tires. And of course they cost $1,100. When did tires start costing $1,100? Four of them, that is, not just one. Though you, you may have a car that costs that much money, right? But like the, we want an immediate reaping of what we've sown. But it doesn't happen that way. And ask anyone who tends to a garden. Ask any farmer about the process that goes through of planting, right? It just takes time. Consistency over time is what produces results. Consistency over time. I mean, hey, I like a good apple, right? Even though I say I like a good apple, they, they sit in the corner of my kitchen, and Rachel every now and then will say, Jason, boys, are you guys going to eat any of this? <laughs> it's like the healthy stuff that goes bad first. Sorry, confession, right? Hey, these apples are sitting over here. Anybody going to eat them? I'm like, I ate one. She's like, when? Last Tuesday. That was like eight days ago, Jason, you know? I mean, yeah, consistency over time, not just once going to the gym. We're kind of disappointed, you know, you go to the gym for 30 minutes and you're like, you go home and the next morning you feel the same. Of course you feel the same. Like one time it's not going to make a big difference. But consistency over time is what changes. And so this principle of the harvest is that you have, you will reap, but you reap after you sow. You have to sow, but yes, you are sowing, but you have to sow the right things. And so what is it in your life that you're currently sowing that you don't want to sow anymore? I'll say this easy. It's not easy, but I'm going to state it easily. We have to stop. What is it that you're sowing in your life that you are doing a good job? You can. I like to do this every now and then. Not for me, of course, but for other people. You know, if someone does something good, you like to kind of pat yourself on the back, you know? You could probably do that. Just kind of pat yourself on the back a little bit. Like, you know what? I'm doing good here. There are areas of your life where you've seen progress. There are areas of your life where you are pursuing God. There are areas of your life where you might say, listen, 
I've been so far from God, and I've been watching Encounter Church weekly. I'm starting to kind of read the Bible and, and follow God, and I'm doing better financially this year than ever before. There are areas of your life where you should, you know what? I feel good. I feel good about this. But the discouragement comes when you don't see the change that you thought you would see. The discouragement that comes, and it comes, that you don't see the change that you thought you would see. Be it 90 days, three months of consistent eating, and you don't see the results. You know, you've been saving every penny, which you might say, I don't have many pennies, but you've been saving every penny that you can, and you still don't have the savings financially that you want. You've been working so hard in your relationship, in your marriage. You've been working so hard in relationship with your children. You've been working so hard on your relationship and pursuing even God, and you don't see the results. That's why this passage ends with this um, scripture. Let us not become weary in doing good. Why would that encouragement be given to you? Don't become weary. Don't become so tired that you stop doing good. As a pastor, I've had so many conversations where people are just fed up. And that's the bottom line. If I could just like, you know, summarize the conversation after in my head after I end the conversation with someone, I'm like, they're just tired. And I get it. Based on what they told me, I'd be tired too. Sometimes you're fed up doing the right thing because you, the, the reason you're fed up doing the right thing isn't because you're doing the right thing. The reason you're fed up doing the right thing is because you have not seen the results. If I could really be real with you, I'm a pastor and I'm supposed to be nice to people. Okay, And sometimes I don't want to be nice to people. Sometimes I get fed up being nice to people that really don't deserve being nice to. Like in my flesh, when I'm talking about sowing seeds according to me and how I feel, sometimes I just want to slap people. You know, when someone's like just rude or mean, especially if they're rude or maybe unkind to, to my spouse or rude or unkind to my children, I just want to slap somebody. I might say it yesterday. I didn't slap anybody, okay? Confessions of a pastor. I didn't slap anybody yesterday, but man, I sure did. No, I'm sorry. I sure wanted to. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't slap anybody. My wife's at home going, who'd he slap? Okay, I didn't slap anybody. But sometimes, like, I just become weary in trying to do the right thing. I know you feel like that in relationships. I, I'm not perfect. I am far from perfect. People want to slap me, I'm sure. And if you want to confess that, don't confess that in the Facebook chat online or anything. But if you want to slap me, you can tell me that, okay, that's fine. Just don't slap me. I get it. We're tired of doing the right thing sometimes because we just want to see results. Or relationally, as I'm describing it, we just want to see change. And we get fed up sometimes. And so this scripture here, don't become weary in doing what is good. Don't stop sowing the seeds, even though you haven't seen that seed pop out of the ground. I wish I'd have done some numbers, but I was just thinking about it in my head. I was like, how many seeds do you plant for certain? And I'm, I'm not a, uh, this isn't a conversation, but you're at home. You're thinking about the word that I can't think of right now. It's like a, a tree person is an arborist, right? Whatever like a garden person is, like if you're a garden person or like a farmer, whatever that person is, there's probably certain things that you have to plant and you put multiple seeds in the ground hoping that one sprouts. And there are probably other certain uh, vegetation that you don't. You put fewer seeds in the ground, okay? But here's the point. You have to plant a lot of seeds in order to see a good harvest, right? 
In some ways, it's like the survival of the fittest. You can just cast the seed out there and let the grass grow. It's very different with certain things. Some of you are, ca- are, are planting seeds, but you're just planting a few. You've got to plant more. Some of you are planting the seeds, and maybe you're putting it down at the, at the wrong time and in the wrong place. I don't know the variables. And I don't know what you're going through. And I don't know how this principle of the harvest applies to you, but I know it does. I know it applies in your marriage. I know it applies in your workplace. And I know this final thing. Do not get tired of planting. Do not get tired of planting. Because if you stop planting, if you stop planting this year, if you stop planting right now, you will not see a harvest. And that stinks. I know you want to see a harvest. You can't give up. And sometimes when I connect with couples or individuals, you know what I say to them? Just don't give up. I'm like, I know you want something else. <laughs> I know you want an answer. I know you want to fix maybe a book or an article or a moment or something to change. Just don't give up. And sometimes people, you today, you just need to be applauded because you haven't given up. If you plant the seed, you till the ground, you water it, and you tend to it. And the, and the tending part is the challenge. Pull those weeds back. Change it. Do something different. Plant the seed. Water it. Till that ground. Tend to it, the harvest will come. In a different part of the scripture, um, the Apostle Paul teaches and says, you know when you're going to receive the reward, the greater reward that this series is really pointing to and all about? And sometimes that greater reward is the crown of life, and that's eternal life. Like, ah, do I really have to wait until I die to go be with Jesus before I get the reward? Some of it. Because the eternal reward is not given in a temporary life. The eternal reward is given in eternity. That this promise, now this isn't the principle of the harvest, this is the story of Jesus. And that Jesus offers you eternal life. And that's the crown of life, eternal life. And that the Bible shares and the Bible teaches through the stories that we read and through what we learn in the Scripture that anyone, anyone who believes in Jesus and turns from their sin and follows Jesus with their life will be given eternal life. And that is the crown that we're pursuing. That if you, in your life, in your faith journey, no matter who you are, no matter where you've come from, no matter what you've done, no matter where you stand today, that the principle of the harvest can be true of you and you can be given eternal life through faith in Jesus alone. Through faith in Jesus alone, you will reap something that Jesus sowed. And that's the promise of eternal life. If that's you, I hope that you'll reach out to us at Encounter Church, even through the app, through a prayer request, or send us an email or give us a phone call. We want to help you in your faith journey no matter where you are. The three final questions of reflection that I want to put on the screen that I hope that it will spark a conversation today at lunch. Maybe spark a conversation with someone that you're riding down the road with. Maybe spark a conversation for a group that you're in. Um, or even at Encounter Church, we have several groups that I referenced earlier that are continuing to connect. And these, these questions are even starter questions for you and or you and someone else to chat about. The first one is this, what are the seeds I'm sowing every day? The challenge I want to give to each and every single one of us is to really do some self-reflection. What am I sowing? This afternoon is an opportunity to sow. 
Tomorrow is an opportunity to sow. What are the seeds that you're sowing every single day? I think you're going to find some good ones. I think you're going to find some bad ones. I think you'll find some things that you're like, I don't know, this is neutral. This is just a habit I have. The second question, what am I not sowing every day that I should be? There's something missing. This isn't the is column. This is the is not column. So what is it that you know in your heart that you should be sowing that you're just not Maybe we can begin that by the question number three. What step must I take today? For some of you, so many of us, including myself, as I wrote down one this week, with a step that you and I need to take today comes from answering question number two, honestly. What am I not sowing every single day that I should be? I hope that you will take courage, take the courage that is needed to take whatever step that you need to take. As I mentioned at the beginning part of this teaching, that successful people do consistently what others do occasionally. Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Remember, the principle of the harvest is true. That if you till the ground, if you plant the seed, if you water it, it will grow.